0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome back to the Locked On NFL Podcast. I am Matt Williamson, your host every day, five days a week. Uh, I guess we'll be taking this weekend off, but I'm sure on Monday we will have very much to discuss. As I mentioned, you know, the last two days we've done power rankings and, you know, gone around the league with some news and notes and whatnot. Uh, since then, I've made the basically my annual pilgrimage to uh, Latrobe, PA, uh, where the Steelers have training camp, for those of you that aren't familiar. And currently, I'm sitting in my hotel room and gearing up for, unfortunately, a little short on time. I have a uh, 12.30 radio hit, a 1.30 radio hit. At some point, I need to find some lunch. I have a... Uh, at five o'clock, I'm doing local radio, or radio here from a uh, local restaurant for a couple hours. Then I'm driving home, and I need to write some articles in the meantime and whatnot. So, knocking this out now. It's almost noon on Friday, and here I sit in my hotel in La Trobe, PA, as I mentioned, which is Arnie Palmer's hometown. And this is clearly some sort of Arnie Palmer hotel. It's a beautiful hotel, and he is everywhere, he's all over the walls. He is a big-time hero around here and obviously a great golfer and a Western PA stud. Um, speaking of Western PA, as I mentioned, this is going to be a very Steelers-centric show. And, um, you know, we won't harp on that entirely. The other thing I really wanted to talk about, too, is we actually have football coming up this weekend. And I'm not going to preview the, the Hall of Fame game, but we will. I will get a couple of... Uh, observations from it after watching it. And the guy I really want to watch is actually is Brent Hundley. I think he has a chance to be the next Packers quarterback that they develop behind a star. You know, think Mark Brunel, Kurt Warner, Ty Detmer. I mean, I think Hundley in his next stop, his next life, or if something would ever happen to Aaron Rodgers – could be a very good starting quarterback somewhere in this league. He's one of the backups in this league I'm really keeping an eye on. Of He might have a very bright future, and I love where he landed to kind of marinate for a few years as he learns his craft. Um, we'll get into the Hall of Famers at the end of the show. For now, I just wanted to kind of mention a few observations from you know the Steelers' practice as well as talking to all the beat reporters and all the guys that are here for every Steelers event, every, you know, news conference. And I'm more of a national guy, but I mean, obviously I'm closer to Steelers than anyone, but these dudes are people I know. Well, I've done a lot of radio hits with them. I, I do, um, Steelers nation radio with them as well as just knowing them from, you know, being in the business for the last you know dozen years or so. And a lot of them have a really good feel for what's going on inside the Steelers building. And, you know, just, going to dinner with them last night and hanging on the sidelines and, you know, my observations as well, but um, just some things that are going on in the world of the Steelers right now. And it starts with the defense and the defense. If you've noticed over the past three draft classes, the Steelers have used seven premium picks. Their first three picks in this class, first two picks, last class first two picks before that. And in, in the draft class before that, all on the defensive side of the ball. And one thing that's pretty obvious with all of those players is athleticism. You know, a lot of these guys don't come in the league super NFL ready. That's certainly the true with Art, true with Artie Burns this year. I'd be shocked if he contributes a whole heck of a lot. Uh, Bud Dupree had one of those type of seasons too. Like even when they picked him, no one thought, boy, this is a plug and play 3-4 outside linebacker. And, and this defense isn't easy to learn either. Um, of those seven, it looks like uh, we talked about Golson last year's second-round pick. He's going to miss a major portion of the season. Who knows if they'll get a thing out of him this year at all. Um, there's two that have really established themselves, and that is Stefan Tuitt from three years ago and Ryan Shazier. And by all accounts, they're, those two, and this is something I've thought for some time, as long as they can stay on the field, especially as it's true of Shazier, they're going to go from... You know, a major part of the defense is an every-down guy to Pro Bowl guys. You know, and both these players have a very, very high ceiling. And I think that would go a huge, huge way of stepping this defense up just a little bit more. And, you know, I've done rankings of linebackers and whatnot. And to me, Luke Keekley's clearly the best second-level defender in the entire league. And after that, I know who to put. I put Sean Lee, and I mentioned that to you guys the other day, it could be Ryan Shazier as easily as a month from now, uh, you know, week eight of the season, uh, certainly a year from now. He has that capability of not necessarily rivaling Keekly, and maybe that's possible too. I mean, he's got a ton of talent, but he could be one of the truly elite off-the-ball linebackers in this league, where to is a beast. I mean, you, you put him and Cameron Hayward next to each other, th- those two are a very formidable pair, and Tewitt – is only getting better, but what I mentioned to you know the, those seven guys that they've drafted over the last three years, I, I expect Tua and Shazier to take that big step forward into stardom, and we're not going to get anything from Golson this year for for this club, but maybe a Bud Dupree or a Davis or a Hargrave, the third round pick. If one of those guys can be the next. Tuit or Shazier, you know, a quality member of this defense in their first or second season, that would be huge for this team. I don't think it's going to be Artie Burns. He looks very talented, impressive in person, but, you know, very much a fish out of water with technique and whatnot. So I wouldn't count on Burns being a big-time contributor right away. Um, Other news and notes... You know, without getting into the the bottom of the roster, guys. I mean, that's something for locked-on Steelers. And uh, Adam Crawley does a great job there. I know him quite well. Uh, I'll be talking to him soon, actually. But I'm not going to bore you guys with who's going to make the 53. You know, because this is a a national show, obviously. But a couple guys, you know, a couple, you know, some more scuttlebutt out there is Le'Veon Bell stands out. You know, I mean, he certainly looks healthy, who knows, you know, how do you judge running backs without tackling and whatnot? And we may not even see him at all during the preseason, which would perfect, make perfect sense. And we're not going to see him during the first month of the season, although he has an appeal pending. But boy, he looks healthy. Boy, he looks spry. Boy, he looks like a difference maker, or as good as ever, if not better than ever. The same is true for Antonio Brown. Again, this isn't late-breaking news. But the scuttlebutt on the sidelines is... David DeCastro, who's going to be a free agent after the season, former first-round pick, and Antonio Brown aren't going anywhere. And I, I certainly don't have inside scoop on the Steelers' contract negotiations or anything along those lines. But nobody who's dialed in has any thought that Brown or DeCastro is going to be leaving town. And you know that's obviously good news for a very good offense. More good news for this offense is Martavis Bryant is suspended. Everyone knows that. He will not be around all year. And I've talked up Sammy Coates from seeing him last year and a few of the practices, certainly at minicamp. Well, he's kind of the talk of camp here in, in Pittsburgh. And he's been much, much more consistent. He's catching the football better. And a huge knock on him coming out of Auburn was his hands. You know, Obviously, he is big, strong, fast has a T.O. kind of vibe to him as a violent route runner, violent with the football. And I'm saying everything he does is physical and strong and nasty. And, and, you know, which is different than Bryant, but I think he'll be used in a lot of the same ways as a deep threat, you know, bubble screens, reverses, those type of things. He's a different type of athlete than Bryant, who's an utter freak, obviously. But a key to coach has just been this consistency. And and when I watched him and saw him live, I was really concentrating on his hands and, and, He doesn't have bad hands. You know, like for example, you you put Hayward Bay next to him and and they often, you know, are doing the same things here in Pittsburgh. Hayward Bay struggles to catch the football. He probably always will. You know, everyone knows when he came, when he was drafted early with the Raiders. You know, he fought the football at times, let it get into his body. Where Coates, I think his drops are more mental, where he's trying to run before he catches it. You know, because you see him, he'll pluck the ball with with strong hands away from his body. So he worries me a lot less as a drop guy than opposed to somebody like Hayward Bay, who's never going to be good in that area. Just you know, we all all have our strengths and weaknesses, and that's that's his. Lastly, the the only other guy I really want to mention, without really going too far down the roster, is another new guy. Is the Steelers fourth round pick, and that, and that's Gerald Hawkins. I was he's out of LSU. He came out as a junior. When I was, I was in the Steelers facility doing live radio when they made this pick. They had taken three, three defensive players right off the bat. And then they came out and announced it to us before the, the public said, and they're like, Gerald Hawkins from LSU, tackle. And I'm like, yeah. I, I was kind of the Steeler fan in me, which isn't nearly as big as it used to be. And, you know, as an analyst now. I was kind of just rolled my eyes a little bit. And so, eh, I don't love that one. And, and I'll be honest, I didn't know a ton about him when they made the pick. Um, and I just kind of thought, eh, he'll probably get washed away or whatnot. And you watch him here at camp, and what I keep saying is, now I understand. Now I know what they saw in this guy. And he's got a thinner waist. He doesn't have a lot of sand in his pants, so to speak, but he's very young. He's only going to add more, you know, man weight, so to speak. <laughs> you know, we all know how that works, not to mention he's going to be. Lifting and eating and getting bigger and getting older. And um, Mike Munchak's one of the best offensive line coaches in the game. He was at the Hall of Fame, though. You know, while I was up here, I didn't see him. But you give Munchak a year with this guy, he is long armed, athletic build. He doesn't look like many of the other linemen around here. He's got a chance to be very good. And they're playing him at left tackle, they're playing him at right tackle for now. And hopefully he doesn't see the field at all. But that's what they said about Villanueva last year, too. And, you know, they coached him up, and he was more than fine. And Villanueva looks good, too. They have Ryan Harris as kind of that swing tackle now. uh, I think, you know, Hawkins could become that and much more. You know, maybe a year from now, he's your backup right and left tackle. He has the look about him of being an NFL left tackle, though. And it's particularly newsworthy because, The Steelers, you know, they don't pick at the top of the draft very often. And the pure NFL left tackles—Baselli, Ogden, Pace, who's going to the Hall of Fame—you know, uh, Stanley, Tunsell, you know, the the no-brainer guys—they're all high picks. They don't last very. It's not very. It's not very often you find a pure left tackle from picks 15 to 32, let alone in later rounds. So look who's been playing left tackle for the Steelers over the years. I mean, it's guys like. Max Starks, or right now is Villanueva. Uh, Ryan Harris could get some some time there. Um, who am I forgetting about? Oh, Beecham. You know, Beecham was not, not an early pick at all. Um, but I, I look at Hawkins, the rookie, and think, boy, he could be better than all of them, and he might be the next in line of a what I call a manufactured left tackle, and certainly not a plug-and-play guy. But that's what the Steelers have to do, and they're a smart organization, and that's how they're going about doing it. So... Mostly all good news here from La Trobe. I'll be heading home this evening, and um, I won't crush you guys that, that aren't big Steelers fans with, with a whole bevy more, but I am coming back here next Wednesday, spending Wednesday night. We'll see two practices, we'll do two uh, live shows, and I'll head home Thursday evening. So, next week you'll probably get a day's worth of more Steeler news. So, there you, there you have it. Next, let's talk Hall of Fame. I want to talk Hall of Famers. I want to talk new Hall of Famers. And I'm a big fan of this. And I know it's a little nostalgic and whatnot. But I think you have to take a step back and look at the greatness of, you know, some of these guys. And you walk through that building. I'm sure a lot of you have not been there. I've probably been there 20 times. It's unbelievable. And when I was the director of football operations at Akron, we were able to use that as our dinner for um, official visits. You know, when recruits would come and you can pay for a whole weekend. I don't know what the rules are nowadays, but at least that's what it was like then. That was the one weekend you could pay for things for the recruits, dinners, lodging, whatnot. And we would have a dinner behind the scenes at the Hall of Fame because that was within the parameters of the University of Akron. I don't know if they still do it or not, but it was phenomenal. I mean, you get the, the dads and the older brothers and the you know the recruits there roaming the halls with nobody else there. It was just us at the Hall of Fame. It's jaw-dropping. But anyways, I've been a big fan of the Hall of Fame, and I love conversations about, does this guy belong? Does this guy belong? This year, the guys going in are Brett Favre. No-brainer. I mean, I don't think we have to talk about Brett Favre. No-brainer. Maybe the, the most impressive thing for him in my opinion, is his longevity streak, his durability streak. That's unbelievable. Marvin Harrison, I don't know why it took him this long to get in. To me, he's about not not a far-level no-brainer, but he's a no-brainer. I, I mean, guy, guy put up unbelievable numbers. I know he had some off-the-field issues, and they supposedly say those things don't keep you out, but my hunch is that's why it took him longer than it should have. Ken Stabler. I don't know if we talk Stabler or not, but I've been talking Stabler a lot lately. I mean, he was what you hated growing up as a Steeler fan. I mean, he was like the biggest nemesis to the great Steeler teams, the leader of a phenomenal Raiders team that, sorry, Raiders fan, but if it wasn't for my Steelers, your guys would have won a lot more Super Bowls in the 70s. I mean, to me, they were the second best team of the 70s. You know, Cowboys were in there too, obviously. Um, he's never going to put up big numbers. He didn't put up big numbers, but not many quarterbacks did of that era. To me, he, he belongs. And unfortunately, he's passed away and doesn't get the chance to see this, but he belongs. Orlando Pace absolutely belongs. <laughs> you know, when I was with the Browns, one of my jobs was I was in charge of the NFC West. And what that meant was I had watched every snap of every player in the NFC West, had a constant running grade on every player. And at the time, you know, during the season, that's more for the bottom of the roster guys. I mean, the Rams weren't gonna cut Orlando Pace, but they might cut their fifth wide receiver. And if I thought he was better than the guys we had and we didn't have a whole lot of good dudes, I would go and, you know, talk to the director of pro personnel and say, Hey, you know, maybe this is somebody we should pick up. But you watch pace. I mean, during that era, I used to watch every snap of Orlando Pace and Walter Jones, and it got to be foolish. I mean, like in the second half the pass rushers against them would basically just give up and just kind of mush rush and contain. They knew they weren't beating Pace. Pace, I don't understand why Pace didn't go last year. I mean, to me, that is the definition of, you know, prototypical left tackle. He was the first pick in the draft as a left tackle and was great every step of the way. Uh, I mean, to me, that's what the Hall of Fame is all about. Um, Ed, Ed DeBartolo Jr. got in. I think that's an easy one, too. As owners go, that's a, obviously a difficult category to, to say who belongs, who doesn't. Um, but his teams were wildly successful. He was loved by his players. I think he's a pretty. he belongs in Canton as well, which is very close to his hometown in Youngstown. I have nothing against Tony Dungy, who's also going in the Hall of Fame. And I, I think he belongs. But coaches are tough to me, too. And, and there's a coach out there that was a finalist and I'm not bashing on Dungey at all, don't get me wrong, but I think Don Coriel was way more deserving. I don't understand how he is not in the Hall of Fame. I mean, he revolutionized offenses. He changed the game as much as just about any coach I can think of. And he doesn't get the credit because he doesn't have a ring. But, man, I I mentioned this. I was born in 73, and when I was like 9, 10 years old, everything in the world was Steelers. Don't get me wrong, but I had a Dan Fouts jersey. I mean, the, those early 80s Chargers were the most fun team in the whole world, and it was because of Corey L's excellence as an offensive mind. Um, the other guys that made it are Dick Stanfell, and he's one of the uh, uh, Veterans Committee's dudes, and honestly, I don't know much about him, and I do consider myself quite the historian in, in the NFL world, and I, I don't know much about him. I'm sorry. But Kevin Green... I think he belongs, Um, you know, he was great for several teams. He, you know, you look at his all-time sack numbers, they scream that he's a Hall of Famer. But to me, he's not Lawrence Taylor, he's not Derek Thomas. You know, he's, uh, in terms of great pass rushers, he's the second-tier guy. You know, and there's a lot of pass rushers that are going to be in the conversation here soon, I know I'm going to skip some, but the Julius Peppers and Freenies and Jason Taylors, and uh, I, I don't know that Green is certainly above all those guys. Uh, I guess he belongs, you know, to Marcus Ware. would rather have Demarcus Ware or Kevin Green. That's not to say they both can't go, um, but he didn't jump off the page of me whenever I looked at the, the finalists. And I love that. I love when the finalists come out, and, I, and you know, you got to pick a couple... And this sounds crazy too. I mean, this is like making fun of the ugliest girl at the beauty pageant or whatever, in Miss America contest. But this group, with the exception of Favre and Pace, who didn't go in his first year, Harrison, I didn't think had as many no-brainer uh, Hall of Famers as usual. You know, like I'm not saying it's a weak Hall of Fame class, but that maybe that helped Kevin Green get in this year. Maybe that helped Stabler get in, where there wasn't you know, a name left off who jumps off the page. Um, one name, and I talked about this on the air quite a bit yesterday with, with Jerry Dulack here in Pittsburgh, and he's, he made great points about Kenny Anderson is the, the quarterback, and he doesn't even get in the finals anymore, that is utterly deserving and never gets considered. And we'll talk about that down the road. A couple other guys that didn't make it that were finalists, um, to me, Terrell Owens was an easy one, too. I, I mean, I understand... And he played with one, two, three, four, five different teams. And I think that hurts some of the guys nowadays, too, because you don't have the the one uh, presenter to really be in your corner and say, boy, I saw T.O. from day one until he retired. He was with this team his entire time. Like, for example, I'm looking at Joe Jacoby. He, from 1981 to 93, he was with the Redskins. Marvin Harrison, from 96 to 2008, he was a Colt. So those beat writers from Washington or Indianapolis – have a great case for Joe Jacoby. So, with all the changing in the NFL now, there's going to be less players that last, you know, start to finish with their original team. Not to mention, T.O. is a very polarizing guy. But to me, he's an easy Hall of Famer. You know, when I look at, you know, wide receivers since 1980, Randy Moss is probably better. Jerry Rice is clearly number one. To is probably next. I mean, maybe Calvin Johnson. I mean, I think I'd rather guard Marvin Harrison all day than I would Terrell Owens. Uh, he he needs to go whether you like him or not. I also think Kurt Warner's a Hall of Famer, and he didn't make it. I think eventually he will make it. He I think eventually he'll get in. Um, you know, unbelievable late in his career. Yeah, I mean, he's quite the story. I know a lot of people think Terrell Davis is, belongs. I. Don't really. I just never thought he was special long enough. Um, I'm a little bit picky, I think, with running backs as well. I don't know that his style was, you know, one you could never forget. So that's pretty much my Hall of Fame talk. And we'll talk a lot more Hall of Fame down the road. I'm excited to watch the guys in pads this weekend. Uh, A couple other news and notes just from around the league before we leave. Navarro Bowman signs an extension. And I'm curious, uh, you know, he, he obviously returned from injury, got much better as last season went along. He was struggling early. He did not look healthy. He didn't look recovered early in the season. Apparently, they're not worried about that. That's great news. Again, this is one of those situations, you know, like with Tyron Matthew, where you you have to defer to the team, the team doctors, that if they're not worried about his, his injury situation, why should we be? Uh, I think they look at this one like, man, we lost a lot from the – Bowman, Willis, you know, uh, perennial playoff Harbaugh teams. We need to keep some semblance of that. We need a leader. We, need, we have a young defense we're building here. We need Bowman to be the foundation of that for the next three or four years or whatnot. So I, I, I guess I understand this. Um, Leon Hall to the Giants. What stands out here for me is their top three corners. Uh, including Eli Apple, including, you know, Jenkins, who they brought, brought both those guys in in the, uh, the offseason. All three of them are all long, linear, you know, athletic, obviously, uh, man-to-man type corners, but outside guys. You know, there really isn't a slot corner in their top three. Uh, I'm wondering if they're looking at Hall possibly to be that guy. Um, There's good news, and I don't know that I trust this, but uh, apparently Pete Carroll and the Seahawks organization is saying that Thomas Rawls and Jimmy Graham are well ahead of schedule and should be returning in the, quote, near future. That'd be great. I mean, I hope it's true. I mean, I I think this offense... I think Rawls is extremely impressive in in a very much a Marshawn Lynch role. I think Jimmy Graham, if he can be what he was with the Saints and, you know, the the Seahawks passing game moved on without him. If you could add him to the mix as opposed to making him a focal point, make him a, you know, the third option behind, you know, Lockett and Baldwin and those guys, you may really have something. And, you know, this team does a lot of three-by-one sets with three receivers to one side of the field, usually the wide side of the field, and the tight end by himself on the other side. If you have somebody that's a lot more threatening than what they have, and what I mean by that is a guy like Jimmy Graham, as a single tight end, I think that could have a very good ripple effect for the entire passing game. So hopefully that's true. I'm not sure I'm doing jumping jacks or placing bets that you know Rawls and Jimmy Graham are going to be ready for uh, in the immediate future. But we shall see. Um, lastly, some bad news out of Ravens camp. Draft pick Bronson Kafusi will miss a season with a broken ankle. Um, I like the player. He's a big, oversized defensive end. Uh, I think he could have brought some pass rush. I don't think he's in the Suggs-Doomerville role, but I think he could be, you know how they used Chris Canty, you know, and they're very multiple up front. Uh, They always seem to have a big, oversized defensive end that can stop the run and push the pocket. Uh, I think Kafusi could have possibly been that type of player for them or even line ups, outside, up outside uh, of line out up outside the tackles you know the Doomerville and Suggs are going to be difficult to count on um so this is a loss you know I, I, any injury this time of year is somewhat heartbreaking but i always feel for the rookies too that have been working like crazy in the off you know in the whole process to get drafted and they finally get to their team and They can exhale and say, okay, this is going to be my squad for the next four years, hopefully. And then, boom, you know, their season's over. (laughs) They don't even get to play. I mean, this this game's rough, man. So, like I said, I got a lot of other things coming up here. I need to be uh, ready for a phone call in about 15 minutes to go on the air for Steelers Radio. And again, at 1.30. So, I'm going to hang it up from this beautiful Arnold Palmer hotel room. And we will talk on Monday. Take care, guys. Progressive presents Mind Flowness with Flow. Before you lies a beautiful meadow. In that meadow, Progressive Direct has placed its auto insurance rates alongside those of competitors. You select the lowest rate and feel a great sense of calm. A great sense of... Compare Progressive Direct rates with competitors' rates so you can rest easy. Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy.